0: Probably the biggest one is spending less time in the gym. So right now, it's really popular to think in terms of more is better. More sets, more reps, more days in the gym, more cardio, two sessions a day. But the problem that a lot of people don't understand is you're not building muscle in the gym. You're building muscle from recovering from what you've done. That's where all the adaptations occur. So we actually have to teach guys to take more time off, to relax more. We have our five pillar hierarchy. What's at the very, very top is sleep and recovery. Training is at the very, very bottom. So that's like a huge paradigm that we have to spend a lot of time with guys. They freak out looking at their plan like, oh, I'm only training like three or four days a week. I've been training six days a week, two and a half hours for years. So it's definitely a paradigm shift.
1: What is going on, gentlemen? Guys, welcome back this week to another amazing, very exciting episode of the Superhuman Life. As always, guys, I'm your host, Frank Rich. And before we dive into today's guest and conversation, let me just take a moment and remind you how incredibly grateful and thankful we are to have you here with us today. Guys, if this is your first time joining us here at the Superhuman Life, welcome. We are the only podcast in the world is dedicating to helping men level up in those five key areas of his life. Yes, we're talking about his faith, his fitness, his finances, his family, and ultimately seeking his freedom so he can break through the limits and become the man that God has created him to be. Because we have an amazing guest on the show, somebody I've been uh, in a networking business mastermind group circle with for a handful of years. We've had a few sidebar conversations we've had a few moments where we've interacted but today it was really an honor to really get to know him a whole lot better and share the work that he's doing with you guys here guys you know we all know the saying that there's one way to skin a cat and i don't know anything about skinning cats but i do know a lot about building muscle so i think if we take that that logic and approach to building muscle, we can know, and we can believe, and we can understand that there's a lot of different ways to build an incredible physique. You know, as somebody that came up in the bodybuilding hypertrophy space, I lean more towards isolation type movements, understanding mechanics, um, and ultimately utilizing moment arms, leverages, resistance profiles to fully maximize our physique. But I understood that it took me years to get to the point where a lot of that made sense. We've had some amazing guests on the show talking about primal movement patterns, talking about strongman type training. Uh, But today's guest is going to take a little bit different of approach and he's going to tell you about why training with a barbell is the most effective and really where most men should be starting their fitness journey. And I got to say, I agree with a lot of what he teaches and talks about. Joining me on the show today is none other than Brayden Barrett, aka Look Like You Lift. Braden is a transformation coach and founder of Look Like You Lift, which is a company whose mission is to give everyone the opportunity pro- by providing evidence-based and time-proven advice on building muscle, strength training, getting lean, and looking like you lift. Braden's has helped hundreds of men permanently lose up to 30 pounds of fat and double their strength without giving up their favorite foods. Now, recently, Braden has blown up on some of the social platforms. He's really made a name for himself in the TikTok sphere. Those of you guys out there on TikTok, make sure to connect with him at look like you lift. And Braden's whole approach is that he wants to be looked at and viewed as, as the voice of reason and strength and nutrition. You know, there's a lot of misguided information. There's a lot of quote unquote experts out there teaching Certain things that they've never really done in the past, and Braden's whole approach is to try to silence some of the noise and let's get back to the basic fundamentals. So, we talk about the five pillars of transformation that Braden and his company Look Like You Lift have brought to their work, their clients. Um, and it's nothing new, guys. We've we've touched on these topics here quite a bit, but I really love. This kind of upside down pyramid that Braden likes to talk about. We talk a lot about the importance of stress management, of sleep recovery, of overall daily activity, aka known as NEAT, non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Uh, and then we get into the the, the, the role of nutrition, and then we spend a lot of time talking about barbell type training. Why Braden believes that barbell training, squats, deadlift, presses, pushes are the most effective for men in the first couple of years. Truly, it should be years before you really begin to start isolating some particular movements in Braden's opinion, guys. So this was a great conversation. Uh, it was great to get to know a little bit about Braden's backstory, uh, which is something I didn't have a lot of time researching on. So it's cool to kind of get the, the insight into how he got to this point as a coach, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur and as a social content creator, guys. So without further ado, let's get into today's conversation. Episode 185, how to look like you lift using a barbell with Braden Barrett. We love you guys. We'll see you on the other side. Braden, my brother, welcome to The Superhuman Life.
0: Yeah, thanks man, thanks for having me.
1: So tell me about the first time that you blew up Uh, went viral on TikTok because I remember what it was like for me waking up and tapping into a part of the internet that I'd never been in before. So I'm curious with you what that uh, initial experience was like.
0: Yeah. So honestly, the first time that we I've, we've blown up quite a few times, but the first time it was over the stupidest meme that I did. Like, so that was kind of like my secret to growth was just doing a bunch of like silly little memes so one of them blew up. It got like a million views. I gained like fifteen thousand followers overnight. So yeah, that was kind of a surreal experience. I was like, oh shoot, like TikTok actually works. <laughs> so yeah,
1: yeah. No, I I, I remember um, when you were doing a lot of that more viral, you know, kind of kind of meme memes types type stuff. When did it? Uh, was it a certain follower count that you reached, or or when did it pivot for you where it's become more of an educational platform?
0: So. Uh, in in the earlier stages, it was a lot of viral just to get eyeballs on my stuff. And then I did the occasional answering questions post. And then when my following grew, uh, I, I would say around like a hundred thousand, that's when we shifted focus more into now I have an audience. Now I have people who care about what I'm trying to say. We'll, we'll pull back away from like the more, like the, the less funny, goofy stuff and actually start answering questions, actually like giving, uh, giving value to people. So that was kind of like the shifting point is like the bigger that I got, the less funny stuff that I stopped posting and the more educational stuff started kind of coming in.
1: And how different do you see the audience on on TikTok in comparison to Instagram? Because I think Instagram is your other kind of kind of main main platform.
0: It's very different. It is very different. Um, You got to have thick skin if you want to be on TikTok. So there is a lot more. I don't want to get too negative, but there's a lot more animosity and a lot more criticism that you will find on TikTok, and I think it's because you can be more anonymous. You have a lot of people who can hide their faces; you don't know who they are, and so they will say some of the meanest, darkest things I've ever seen on social media. <laughs> so it's a much more cynical audience, but it's it, it can be. I, I I mean, I still think TikTok is my favorite platform because uh, I'm able to have way more conversations. I'm able to answer way more questions, and there's a lot more engagement. And with that comes along. Some more negativity and some of the more you know cyber bullying kind of stuff i guess you could call it
1: yeah how do you how do you control manage you know your emotions your reactions your responses like i i for me i'll be fully honest man this is the biggest challenge with being a creator right is like i want to snap back at everybody because i want to say that i'm quicker sharper you know more intellectually articulate than most people um so for me it's almost like you're gonna open this gate up like i'm gonna win this battle um and i've caught myself in in some traps sometimes like three days later. I'm like, why am I arguing with this guy over, over this thing? How do you, how do you control that? Do you have, I mean, practices you go to, or is it kind of just like you said, the thick, th- the thick skin?
0: Yeah, well, I do not have thick skin. I portray that I do, but I really don't. So, um, I have to, when I'm making content and I go to, so when I'm making content, the only time I'm looking at comments is to see if there's questions that I can answer. Cause that's like a big chunk of like my, co- my content is pulling questions and just answering them directly. So a lot of times you have to kind of sift through a lot of the really negative shit. And so I have to go in with the intention of, OK, what am I doing looking at these comments? What is the outcome? What's the purpose of this? If you're going in without setting the intention, you're already setting yourself up for failure to feel a lot of negativity. And you're going to feel that that imposter syndrome or that rage that you want to fight back when it comes to. Fi- and this is something that I had to learn. But when you fight with someone on TikTok. They've already won. so. It's not worth your time. It's not worth your energy to try to um, fight with anybody in the comments. If it's really horrible, I just block them. I have no time. I'm not really interested in wasting any more time with them. I just block them. Um, But if it's something that like if it's an argument or something that that someone says that might have something there, I'll just make my own content off of it. I'll just make another video off of it. So... I I think that was the biggest thing is you're never going to be criticized by people who are doing more than you. And a lot of these people are sad, alone, depressed, not doing anything with their lives. And they have nothing better to do than to criticize other people. So I have to get, I give myself some grace. I don't even entertain them anymore. I take a couple breaths. If I want to make content off of it, great. If not, I just, I end up blocking them if it's really bad. Yeah, God,
1: that's so true, man. Like the, if if you get into the argument, you've already lost lost the battle there. I mean, that is so, that is such powerful wisdom right there. And like you said, man, I mean, you know, criticism never comes from from above. So I, I, I absolutely love that. Talk to us about, you know, the, the handle and kind of your whole, whole brain here. This was one of the things that really, for me, I wanted to kind of dive into. You know, I love how clear and precise, you know, your messaging is. It's look like you lift. It's not look like an athlete, train like an athlete. That's Jeff Cavalier, right? It's not look like a meathead bodybuilder. It's not look like anything else other than look like you lift. What's the origin story behind that?
0: That's a good question. So, uh, my background was I was a competitive strongman competitive powerlifter, And if you know anything about the strength sports, you got to get big. Like the big guys are the ones that win. So I, I, Ate my way all the way up to like 240 pounds, and I, it was a very unhealthy journey. Sure, I got strong, but you wouldn't have known that I was strong if you just saw me on the streets. You would just thought that I was just like some overweight punk, right? So there, I had to find that balance between being strong, lifting a lot of weight because that's what I love doing, but also being healthy. And you know, at the end of it, like there's some vanity to it, looking good at the end of the day. So. Right now, I think in, in fitness, there is this kind of weird, there, there's a weird divide where you got to be fat and strong or you got to be weak and aesthetic. Like there is no in between. And so that's where I come in. I fill in the gap of you can be healthy, lean, look really good and be really strong at the same time. So that's kind of where that name came from is we want to look like we lift. We want to look good and lift a bunch of weight. So
1: yeah um no that's great i want to i want to i want to go go a little bit deeper here with with some of your story and some of your training background you mentioned you know uh power lifting 2 240 was was at the peak brandon how brandon, how tall are you 59. Five Five nine. okay so that's i mean that's 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 a, that's a lot of weight for a uh, smaller was, yeah a smaller frame there um you grew up on a farm
0: correct um yeah i worked on farms all through my childhood i didn't i wasn't raised on one Okay. How did, how did the upbringing, how did
1: working on a farm play into your training and then kind of walk us through, you know, the initial, like, did you, did you get in the weights? You know, was it like a lot of us? Cause we wanted to get chicks. Was it, I just, I need to be able to train and throw things around on the farm. Walk us through your kind of origin story with, with training.
0: Yeah. So born, so worked on farms all through my childhood and I was the weakest and the, the smallest, like that was the runt of all of the other farm hands. So we did a lot of the heavier stuff. It was hauling hay, it was moving giant bales. It was you know, moving pieces of machinery. So I was the smallest, weakest one out of the whole group. And toward my uh, last year of high school, I was like, I got to I got to beef up. I got to like keep up with everybody else. Otherwise, I'm going to fall behind. So that was my whole reason of getting into strength training was just so I could like keep up with everybody else on the farm. And then uh, it kind of grew into getting into powerlifting apparently there's a sport where we can see who lifts the most weight. And that was really uh, interesting to me around that same time that I got into powerlifting. um, I really, I really enjoyed teaching other people how to do things. So I was a swim teacher as well. So I taught kids how to swim. I was teaching people how to snowboard. And so just anything that I was into, I got more of a high out of seeing other people achieve the same thing and like do better too. So I kind of just naturally came with it as I was getting to powerlifting, getting really strong with that. I loved watching other people improve as well. So into uh, college, I got to intern with some of the strength coaches at my university, uh, went into mentoring with some of them and, you know, progressed my, my own knowledge and my own uh, athletic prowess with that. And then I found a sport called strongman, which is probably the stupidest sport out there because um, it's uh, you lift the most amount of weight, the most awkward object for the fastest amount of time without blowing your back out. So fell in love with that because it kind of was very similar to how we did things on the farm. So got in, got involved with Competitive Strongman. Where I lived, I had the opportunity to work with some of the, the world's strongest men. They lived all in that area. So they took me under their wing and I lived, ate and trained just like them. Uh, got into competing with that, went to the national level. Um, and so that was kind of like my whole background behind the athletics side of things. Um, and then my, uh, my own training, personal training, strength coaching career kind of grew on the side. So that's, that's kind of my whole story in a nutshell.
1: Yeah. Where, where, where did the desire to, to want to help coach from? I know you said, you know, you always felt like you got more of a high out of, out of helping others. Is that Do you feel that's just kind of innate, like kind of a gift that you've kind of been given? Like you're, you're a coach at heart. I think that there's a part of that inside of me. Or was there somebody in your life that coached and mentored you and you're like, man, I really like the impact he had on my life.
0: I think the more I think about it, I was always uh, the underdog. So um, I never, luckily I was never like bullied or picked on as a kid. I was able to kind of hold my own, but I I saw other kids and other people who were picked on and I had zero tolerance for that. So I wanted to help them to grow and to have what I had. And so I think that's kind of where my burning desire to help other people came from is I wanted them to live the, live a better life. And so that's essentially kind of like where the whole strength coaching came around is the uh, lifting more weight on the barbell is cool, but really what that does for you in the grand scheme is it makes you a better man. It makes you a better, more resilient human. There are lessons that you learn under the bar that I've learned that's changed my life that I want other people to experience that for themselves. And so that's kind of where my desire came from is I just, I always just loved helping people achieve and improve. And so that's just kind of where it just kind of came along with the ride of me uh, competing. Yeah. I love that. Love that. You got siblings? Yeah, I got four, four siblings, a family of five.
1: Okay. And you fall, you fall where in the, uh, in the five, you're the oldest. Okay. So there's almost a protective nature to you, I'm assuming. Right. And that's kind of where maybe seeing some of the, the bullying taking place, like, Hey, that's not going to happen under, under my watch because innately, like you're kind of, you know, protecting over, over the brothers and sisters.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: You said something uh, when you were talking about strongman that uh, we had a we had a recent guest on uh, Brian Brian Algrew. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Brian. Um, really, really big in the competitive space of, of strongman. In our conversation, he he was presenting the idea that strongman is the strongman training. Now, maybe competitive strongman, maybe that's what you were pointing to is 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 maybe not the smartest. But in terms of the training for strongman, he he did a really great job of breaking down in how it can carry over into every area of our life, like, you know, in, in, in the modern world, in our everyday life, like we're not picking up barbells and having to move them. We're having to carry suitcases down the stairs. We're having to lift things off the shelf we're having to put things up on a shelf. So his case was strongman is actually the most effective training for people. What are your thoughts on that? And why did you say it's the dumbest type of training or dumbest sport?
0: Cause it's, a, I was joking around. <laughs> it's a joke. But no, I I love strongman training. At the end of the day, I call it a stupid sport because it's just it's a bunch of guys who we are all trying to see who can lift the most weight the fastest. So yeah, um, I mean an argument that- could be made for powerlifting too, right? I mean it's, yeah. You know-
1: yeah, and I got for my own, and I, for bodybuilding, you know, it's a dumbest sport because you're going to train for 16 weeks to take your clothes off and pose in, a bun- pose in front of people, you know, for with 15 your seconds on. of fame, yeah. Exactly, to maybe win a plastic trophy from a subjective perspective.
0: Exactly. Yeah, they all have yeah. their pros and their cons from the competitive level. Yeah. Um but yeah, so he, he does make good points. Um and I I actually will dis- I will disagree when it comes to strong men as the mo- he, And I don't want to take anything out of context or construct a straw man. He said it was the most effective way of training.
1: I think transferable to, to everyday life, right. Is kind of the argument that he was making, right. You know, like where do most people get hurt? It's, it's, it's picking up, you know, common things in, in the world, bending over for gardening, you know, carrying groceries into, uh, the house, like just all these kind of transferable skills that we can use in everyday life where most times in life, you're not presented with, there's a heavy bar in front of you, pick it up. And then put it back down.
0: Well, I think that whole, con- that, that whole concept comes down to the law of specificity. And while I believe that the barbell training, so getting stronger with a barbell is the most effective and is also transferable over to everyday life. Um, the issue that I have with people who take a more functional training approach is uh, the amount of energy and time that you're spending to specialize in a specific functional movement could be better spent doing something else. And we have to think of the economics of the individual. Where can you go to get access to logs, stones, axles? So it's it's not as accessible to the average person. You know, Luckily, I'm a 20-minute drive from a strongman gym, but that's me. That's not like everybody, whereas I can go to any gym in the world as long as it's not purple, and I can find a barbell. So getting stronger on the barbell does transfer over to everyday life. Now, if I had 400 pounds on a barbell and I get good at that, that will not transfer over to lifting a 400 pound stone. Absolutely. But I would argue where in everyday life is the average person having to lift up 400 pound stones? Probably not everybody. They're probably having to lift their lawnmower into the back of their truck that will have transferability from, from the barbell. So I can see what he, I, I see what he says. And again, I'm uh, the, what I hate doing is taking things out of context and making my own argument. Um, but I, I would say that like barbell training has more carryover and is more readily accessible to the average person than strongman training. I'll take it. I'll take it even one step for, further. So from like a sports aspect. So um, we when we were training for strongman, we focused on getting as strong as possible on the barbell. And then we used the implements of strongman sports as displays of the strength that we've accumulated. So there's also kind of a difference between uh, the display of strength versus actually accumulating strength. And again, I think the barbell has a is a better tool to build your strength than trying to increase your strength on actual individual strongman implements.
1: Yeah, you need that solid foundation, that baseline set of strength before you're going to be able to do anything functional functional with it. And I think that's kind of where, where, where you're coming. And I, you know, I wasn't trying to put you in a hole here, you know, argument against Brian, anything like that. I was like, Hey, let's just kind of open it up here and kind of see
0: some of your thoughts in and around it. Sure. With, and that was, I'll even tell us a quick story about this. So please. at the, at the strongman gym that we were at, so me and the guys, we would train three times a week. Our training session was about two and a half to three hours a day. And we only, so the majority of our training was spent training a lot, like a powerlifter. Monday and Wednesday was Training like a powerlifter. It, uh, it was squats, presses, pulls, deadlifts, some sleds. On Saturdays, it was still barbell stuff. But like the last hour, we would practice our technique on those implements. And then on the flip side, so that was me training with some of the world's strongest men. That was their training. And then we had guys who would come in, get their membership to, to the strongman gym, and they would just play around with the implements three or four times a week. And it was just the implements. And they always lost in competition. They didn't get stronger. So, there's just a little anecdote for you.
1: No, that's great. No. Um, I think I think I'm 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 in agreement with, with a lot of this. You know, I don't I don't I don't subscribe to powerlifting or strongman or even really hypertrophy these days. For me, it's you know, it's been a 20-year journey in the gym where I've dabbled in all these kind of different types of training and for me it's you know, I'm training for longevity. I'm training for health purposes these days. You know, and it's like, I, I enjoy doing some of that stuff. So I'm going to, I'm going to throw it in maybe on a Thursday. I'm going to go, you know, train with the buddies. We'll throw some balls around or, you know, we'll, 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 we'll carry some, some yokes. So for me, it's, it's, it's kind of just touching on, on, on all of this. You did compete in
0: bodybuilding last year or a couple of years ago, right? I did a show in August. I, I wouldn't say I compete actively in bodybuilding. I'm, I'm currently in a season of life where I do want to see how far I can take it. Um, but yeah, I did my first show in August. And that was that experience. It was really cool. I I actually had a great time. I think I would have had a worse time had I not had professionals and coaches helping me along the way. Um, but because I had people who were in my corner helping me eliminate the guesswork, it was actually a great experience. Yeah, it was fun.
1: Yeah. Let's go through let's go through your coaching here uh a, a little bit. I know you predominantly work with men, correct? Yes. Okay. Are these beginners? Are they intermediate, advanced? Like what what stage of training is your typical client coming in at
0: the majority of people who are coming to me are they're They have some experience in the gym and a lot of times they're coming in and we have to kind of relay, relearn the basics and the fundamentals. So we have a lot of beginners, but a lot of people are coming in and we have a lot of things that we got to clean up.
1: Okay. Walk us through some of those um, things that you're having to re learn, reteach.
0: Yeah. Probably the biggest one is uh, spending less time in the gym. So right now it's really popular to think in terms of more is better, more sets, more reps, more days in the gym, more cardio, two sessions a day. But the problem that a lot of people don't understand is you're not building muscle in the gym. You're building muscle from recovering from what you've done. Okay. That's where all the adaptations occur. So we actually have to teach guys to take more time off to relax more. In fact, in our, we have our five pillar hierarchy. What's at the very, very top is sleep and recovery, training is at the very, very bottom. So that's like a huge paradigm that we have just spend a lot of time with guys where they, they freak out looking at their plan. Like, Oh shit, I'm only training like three or four days a week. I've been training six days a week for two and a half for two and a half hours for years. So it's definitely a paradigm shift.
1: Yeah. Let's go through that. Let's go through those five, those five pillars. So you mentioned sleep recovery is at the top. Training is at the bottom. What falls in the middle?
0: Yeah. So number one, so in our hierarchy, this is essentially our order of priority when, uh, like what, what matters the most. And we use this a lot when life gets crazy. So if you're in a season of life where it's super, super stressful, like for me, I've got a kid on the way. So my life is going to be turned upside down. So like, what should we be prioritizing at the very top of the list is sleep. Second is stress management. Third is overall daily activity. Fourth is nutrition. And then five is training. Okay. So now when we think of like the average person, what do they do? They flip this upside down, right? They get up at four in the morning, sacrifice their sleep to go get their workout in. Uh, they uh, will try to work off a poor diet. So the, 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 pair, the, the hierarchy is flipped. So we flip it back on its right side and we prioritize sleep and rest first Training is like at the very, very bottom. So what does this say for the average person who's stressing out? Hey, I've got like a ton of work on my plate. I, I don't have time to get like to get to the gym. Like, so what takes priority in that season of life? We're going to prioritize your sleep first. We're going to make sure that you're handling, handling your stress in a healthy way. making sure that you're sleeping. I'm going to prioritize you walking more than I am before you even worry about getting into the gym. That's a much healthier way to approach an overall lifestyle transformation than trying to like just white knuckle yourself through a through a regimen.
1: Yeah, I love that. Um, if we can, let's let's kind of zero in on each one of these five and kind of see if we can maybe get some some real. You know what we like to do is obviously you know the overarching ideas are 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 great, but anytime we have an opportunity, we can zero in and maybe give some key actionable steps that people can kind of take. We obviously can't revamp and improve somebody's sleep a hundred percent, but I'm assuming that there's going to be some some key things that we want to pay attention to, look for, and maybe slight adjustments that we can make in our sleep, uh, routine. So what are some of those kind of core, uh, core concepts there?
0: Yeah. So, uh, one of the biggest ones that we do with sleep is, um, the modulation of caffeine. So way too many people have too much caffeine too late in the day. And I'm looking at you guys who get off of work and take a pre-workout right before they go train and then they have to go to bed in an hour or two. So cutting off caffeine at least 10 hours before bed can have huge effects. And it's again, it's scary for people to do that, but you're actually going to have more energy when you can do this. Why? Because you're getting the deep restorative sleep that you need in order to recover. So you're not having to rely on a stimulant to get you through your day. So That's a big one. The second one is um, optimize your environment. So this is a big one where if we can, if in your bedroom, if we can reserve the bed for two things, just sleep and sex, and that's it, cut everything else out, you're now associating that bed as an environment for one of two things. So when I step into this office, my energy changes to, all right, It's right, I'm, I'm here to work. My energy changes when I get into the car. My energy changes when I get into my bedroom. So because I've set it up for that. So that means I want you getting, uh, I don't want you eating in bed. I don't want you reading in bed. I don't want you doing anything in bed except for sleeping and having fun. So that a lot of times means getting electronics out of the bedroom as well. And that's a tough talk, conversation to have if your partner's quite not on board, but it changes a lot. The third thing I would say is get your room colder. So it's been shown in studies the optimal temperature for sleep is 66 degrees Fahrenheit. So if we can get it colder, that'll be great. Either tr- turning down your a- or turning on your AC, or you can even get like an in-room cooler to make your room colder. That's going to be huge. And the last thing that I would say, there's a lot of we actually have a whole training on sleep that it's like. 30 minute long training with like a ton of value there. It's free. If you guys just message me, I can send it to you. But um, the last one is make sure that your room is pitch black. So you are a light sensitive and a temperature sensitive being. So um, the change in temperature will either wake you up or calm you down. The same thing with the amount of light that you're being exposed to either wake you up or calm you down. So I'll either uh, advocate for getting blackout curtains or the easiest one for people to do is just get a sleep mask. Now I have a sleep mask that I like to push because it's the best sleep mask in the world. Uh, it's a little more pricey, but you're investing into your sleep. Um, and that one gets the room It you, you could put it on in the middle of the day and you wouldn't know if it's night or day. Like that's how effective the mask is. So those are like, just, you can take those right away and start implementing them right away. And you're going to have better sleep. What's that sleep mask. It's called Manta sleep mask. Um, If you guys go to the link tree on my Instagram, you can just click on that link. That's the one that I suggest. But I I buy them for family members. I I have like two or three uh, masks of my own like they are awesome.
1: Yeah, no guys, we'll uh, we'll get that link down there in the in the show notes. I'll actually take, I'll take the step out of your hands that you don't need to go. Obviously we are gonna want you to follow Braden for his work, but I'll make sure we get that link down there in the description box, show notes there below. A um, Couple of things, man, really, really jumped out at me. I mean, um, obviously the audience is gonna know where I kind of stand on devices within the bedroom. Uh, it's something I talk pretty, you know, pretty extensively about and For me, the removal of a TV almost five years ago from the bedroom changed my life. I was a chronic, you know, ESPN sports center literally just on the clock 24 hours a day like i'd wake up in the middle of the night i'd be listening to the same damn uh highlights i was watching four hours before i went to bed and it just dawned on me it's like this is this is obviously waking me up and it's got to be having an impact um the temperature one was new i knew it needed to be cold i thought 68 to 69 was kind of ideal i'm gonna crank it down here a little bit because that's where i've kind of been sleeping and see yeah and the big thing
0: the big thing too, is it's not necessarily the, the temperature, what we're seeing, it's the change in temperature. So it's the contrast. Okay. So going from hot to cold, uh, is very effective for getting you to fall asleep. Have you ever noticed that when you get into cold sheets, you automatically start feeling sleepier? Yeah. It's the same kind of thing. So one other thing that I recommend, uh, guys do to get colder is take a hot shower. And what that does is it opens up the capillaries in the skin. So your body's trying to get rid of body heat. So essentially you turn into a radiator, so you get super hot, open up all the capillaries in the skin, hop into bed, cools you off very quickly.
1: Yeah, no, that's, 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 that's great there. Um, and then obviously the caffeine one makes, makes a ton of sense. Now somebody maybe needs some improved focus before training. Maybe they got a late night training session. Maybe they've had, you know, long, long day at work. What supplements could they take maybe pre-workout
0: for an afternoon, late evening training session that wouldn't keep them up? So non-stimulant pre-workouts are totally fine. Um, the, it's just the only stimulant that I'm concerned about is just caffeine primarily because of the six hour half-life. If I take 200 milligrams at 6 PM, I still have hundred milligrams of my bloodstream at midnight and I still have 50 milligrams of my bloodstream at 6 AM. So that's my biggest concern with it. So non-stims are fine, but truly like if you're, if you get good rest and you really optimize your sleep and you take that seriously, you're going to get to your afternoon training session and you're going to be totally fine. Um, I haven't had pre-workout in years. Like my pre-workout is steak and rice. (laughs) So, um, yeah, you'll be, you'd be surprised if we take sleep more seriously, you're not going to need external stimulants to get through your workout
1: yeah it's like i think i think it was hermosi i forget i forget who said it probably i think it was hermosi on a, on a on a podcast like if you are relying like if you rely on caffeine like if, if it becomes a necessity it's you're no longer getting the benefit like it's really become a crutch like if to the, if the even get up in the morning you need a cup of coffee you know like you're not getting the benefit from it like do the work to dial this back go through that painful kind of you know detoxing get your body kind of back operating on normal but you know, i think too many people rely on caffeine as opposed to getting the benefit from it. Whereas if you take the time away from it, then when you need it, then when you crank it, it's like, Hey, I'm going to go a little bit harder today, or I need to focus a little bit deeper, or maybe I didn't sleep as well last night because the kid kept me up for whatever reason. Then you pull a lever and it's like, Holy shit, this is actually giving me the benefit that it's designed to do.
0: Yeah. You nailed it.
1: Yeah. So that's sleep recovery here. Let's talk about stress. Cause I'm sure that there's both some offensive and defensive strategies, right? Offensive being like, how do you set yourself up to be in a healthy state throughout the day so that when stress does come, you're able to then maybe process it a little bit better, but then obviously some real time defensive strategies there as well.
0: Yeah. hundred percent. So stress management is probably one of the biggest modules that we cover because it, there is a lot that we, that, that we can talk about, but, um, I want to focus on, uh, probably the biggest thing that gives a lot of people their stress and that's their work. So, uh, and this is, this is pulling straight from my own productivity coach. I hired this, uh, Dr. Chris Lee. He's a neuroscientist genius. Um, he spends a lot of time with fortune 500 executives to get them to produce more, to work harder. And that comes down to managing stress and actually working less. So, um, uh, but so work with, with work, that's, you know, you spend half of your life working. That's going to be a huge, um, it's going to be a huge contributor to your stress. How can we manage the stress from work in a healthier manner? The biggest one for a lot of people is setting healthy boundaries with your work. That comes down to letting your colleagues know when you can reach, uh, when they can reach you and when they can't reach you. That's huge. So a lot of people wake up in the morning and what do they do? They check their emails. What fires do I need to put out today? That puts you into a reactive state. You're immediately setting yourself up for failure as soon as you get up. So if we can have windows where people can reach you and when people cannot reach you, that right there is going to be huge. People will respect you more. You will have less stress because you can actually disconnect. That's how I run my company and my employees. I don't want them checking Slack after a specific hour. I all want all of them to take Sundays off completely. If I see them on Slack on Sunday, they're in trouble, right? So setting boundaries is going to be a huge one. Um, The next one is bring fun back into your life. And this was huge. So a lot of people go through their workday and I, and I want you to honestly ask yourself, when was the last time that I did something fun for myself? Not attached to work, not, atta- like, had no like outcome attached to it. I just did it for the hell of it. Just did it for fun. And unfortunately, a lot of people say they haven't done anything fun in a long time. So bringing fun back into your life is a huge thing for for managing your stress in a healthy way. What I do is every Sunday I hit the slopes snowboarding. Uh, When the weather's nice, I go longboarding. Uh, My coach told me to go buy a switch. So I play switch, uh, you know, so I clock out and I go play switch. That's the routine for switching from work to family is having some fun. Play switch in the middle of the day. Right. So it's like have bring fun back into your life. And that is there's, there's science to prove that that does huge things for stress management. So Those are two big ones. Last one that I would say is, um, meditation breath work for some people. Meditating can be uh, rather hard to get into it, especially if you're, if you're brand new to it with me and my ADHD meditation, uh, in the, in the traditional sense of sitting down, not doing anything and breathing actually just puts a megaphone to intrusive thoughts. So walking meditation is fantastic. So walking And counting your steps and breathing while you're walking, counting your steps is a fantastic way to de-stress. There's a lot that we can cover with stress management, but like those are like the big ones that I would say.
1: Yeah, no, that's, that's great, man. Um, I, I love that you talked about play or, you know, having, having fun, um, it's a big part of, you know, the change, the change of my life when I realized like, Hey, we were put on this earth to, to play and, 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 have fun. You know, I, I spent two hours at a softball field last night, church league softball, right. You know, so it's not ultra competitive. Obviously we're out there, we're trying to win, but it's really about, you know, the fellowshipping with the guys, you know, and, and it's, and just bringing me back to kind of my, my youthful competitive sports. Right. Um, And I I would add into that probably relationships, right? Prioritizing healthy relationships. I think that's something you know the average kind of you know high high achiever kind of A type guy. It's like go 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 go. I'm going to work. I'm going to put myself in a you know in a in a in a hole for 12 hours a day and focus on scaling the business. And I'm going to detach myself from many deep meaningful relationships. Then it gets six months, and I've experienced this with burnouts, right? It's like you experience this element of like you almost don't enjoy doing anything because you've disconnected from other people. So I would add on to everything that, that Braden said there is focus on just like meaningful relationships, bring that into the fun.
0: Yeah. Well, and you'd be surprised too. I, I noticed this even with my own work that I was of the mindset, I'm just going to grind my ass off. And then when the business is on its feet, then I'll take time to relax and take time to build relationships. But that didn't happen when I took more time to work less, focus on my relationship with my wife and have more fun and do date nights the business grew more. So yeah, I like you do a whole podcast on business growth, but like taking time to play now is truly what's going to help make your life better
1: and make you more productive. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Everybody wants to
1: feel busy, right? You know, it's like you, God, it's the answer man that like despises me. Second, the second answer i hate more than anything well the one i hate the the most is when you ask somebody how they're doing and the answer is i got nothing to complain about it's like why is your first response like that you're looking to complain about something the second response that just irks me dude is like hey what's going on man how you been i'm busy and it's like that sucks. Like, I don't want to be busy. Like, I want to be hyper productive and getting things done. Now there comes points where yeah, I feel like I'm ultra busy. But it's not the first response that I want people to know about my life. I want people to know that I'm doing amazing. Like God has blessed me like we're, we're...
0: I don't want to make busy a personality trait. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: Exactly. You know, I've, I've shared this a couple of times. I've, uh, I, th- I think it was Napoleon, you know, this guy conquered more than more than half the world. He was intentional. Obviously, this is a different time, but I think it's a great example of what you were talking about with staying off slack on Sundays when Napoleon was given a letter back, whatever it was, five, six hundred years ago. He would purposely and intentionally sit it on his desk for two weeks because he knew one of two things was going to happen. Number one, if the problem was big enough that he ultimately needed to get involved in it, it would it would make its way to him. Right? It's like if it's, it's a 911 emergency, somebody's going to be able to get your attention. Right? Secondly, if it's not that big of a problem, it's going to take care of itself. And I think most people are just attached to their phone. Like you said, they wake up first thing, like, what fires I got to put out? The, if the fire was needed to put out, it would have woke you up in the middle of the night. I can almost guarantee that. I'm very intentional. You talked about environments, right? When I said in this office, there's no phone. Like, And people are like, Frank, I can't get a hold of you in the middle of the day. If you needed to get a hold of me, you would find a way. You'd message me on Slack. You'd message me somewhere where I would get it. But yeah, if you call me most times in the middle of the day, I'm not picking up because you probably don't have anything that's going to improve the productivity of what I'm focusing on. Now, six, seven o'clock when things shut down, yeah, I'm going to respond to messages. I'll get back to people. But that's been really productive for me. And I, I love that it's a major part of what guys get from you. They, you know, they think they're coming in to look like you lit, but it's like, no, we're going
0: to talk about all these more important things first. So. Well, and if you think about it, like they've, a lot of these guys that come to my program, they've done workout plans before they've done the coaching before. And clearly it hasn't worked. It's not just about the sets the reps and the calories. Cause as if it was, you'd already be there by now. Clearly there's something else that's missing here. And we've done our best to kind of identify what that is
1: yeah so it's just sleep, stress management, overall daily activity is this like neat? Is that kind of what you're what
0: you're focusing on there? That's exactly it, yeah so um there's been several studies to show that frequent bouts of low intensity activity throughout the day ha- is more beneficial for longevity and preventing uh common health health problems. So, what do a lot of people do? Dedicate a bout of cardio first thing in the morning and then they're sedentary for the rest of the day so what I encourage people to do is stay moving. Don't push yourself super hard, but just stay moving as much as the day as you can. You and I are both standing right now. We consider that ODA, taking frequent walks throughout the day. That's ODA. And then on top of that, we, it goes again with the stress management with playing and having fun, find activities that are also keep you active and, have, and, and are fun. It's rollerblading, snowboarding, longboarding. Like Those are all considered ODA. So we take that more seriously than just the training aspect. So yeah, it's a, yeah, that's kind of ODA in a nutshell. Yeah, no,
1: that's, that's, that's fantastic. I tell a lot of, you know, young men in their, in their twenties, you know, get a dog, like like there's so much that you get out of it. Obviously, you know, the need uh, to get out there daily walks, you know, don't get a little, you know four pound chihuahua that's not going to need you to walk it. get a dog you know that's going to require some physical activity because that's going to require you to move but there's other things that kind of come with that as well you know the need of of, of responsibility that that the taking care of a living being for a lot of the guys that we work with it's like yeah that, that's kind of something you want to develop like in life is like can you a take care of yourself and can you take care provide for something else so i love that it really ties into uh, the the daily the daily walks the od i think you called it that's that's great so um i want to touch on your uh I guess your framework or your kind of philosophy on nutrition. Cause what I'm going to assume is you're not like one of these dogmatic subscribe to a specific type of ideology within, within nutrition. So wh- what do you teach when it comes to nutrition?
0: Yeah, this could be a big one. So, um, so the compliance is the science, right? So the best diet that works is the one that you can actually realistically stick to, And that's a big problem that a lot of people face where they hop on a specific diet. They can do it for like three months. Absolutely. But as soon as you go back to normal life or your previous way of living, what happens? You gain the weight back and then sometimes even more. So personally, I'm not so much concerned about how much weight you lose. I'm concerned about how long can you keep the weight off? Because I'm assuming you want to lose 30 or 40 pounds and you want to keep it off for the next 40 years. Okay. well, we're not going to do that if we use a specific starvation style diet and get the weight off, and then you just go back to normal life. You've already done that several times. Again, the people that I speak to, they've already done diets several times, and they they they're they're great at losing weight, but they suck at the weight maintenance. I had a call the other day, just a couple weeks ago, with a guy. He said he lost over three hundred pounds, and I was like, "Wow, cool." And he said he lost the same fifty pounds six times. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> I was like that. That's genius. <laughs>
1: so yeah, clearly that, that that dude's a marketer though. That that is that that guy's got marketing, sales behind yeah. him, copywriting. Like that's a headline right there. <laughs> exactly. Right.
0: Yeah. So clearly you don't have a weight loss problem, you have a weight maintenance problem. So yeah. that's the approach that we take when we're building out nutrition plans is okay, so my goal is to get you get this job done and never have you ever talk to me ever again. That's what we want. So The way that we do that is we get you to lose weight on as many calories as we possibly can. So a lot of times that starts with just having you eat at maintenance and establishing good general training and nutrition habits first. From there, we lose about 10% of total body weight. Then we take a break, another 10%, then we take a break. So it's these constant frequent breaks that we've seen that has been really helpful with not only maintaining total body weight loss, but also making this a whole on all around less psychologically taxing experience. That's kind of like the general framework the general framework that we use.
1: Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure you've seen this, man, before. Like you you, you you get a client, you know, you you give them their first kind of nutritional plan, and it's like it's an increase in overall calories. And they look at you like, holy shit, you want me to eat more? But when you begin to check some of these other boxes, it's like the weight actually just begins to fall off. They're like, dude, I'm eating more than I've ever eaten in my entire life.
0: Yeah. hundred percent because we're more focused on making sure that you're overall metabolically healthy instead of just trying to starve yourself to get it, to get the weight off. So,
1: yeah. So for, for you are the, are the macros, um, personalized, like, is it kind of depending on where you are, how much weight needs to be lost, your lifestyle, other factors is going to, you know, contribute to if you're a 40, 30, 30 or 50, 30, 20, or how are you kind of, you know, tracking, tracking some of that.
0: Yeah. So we, we take a couple different approaches right off the bat. We will put together a zero guesswork meal plan. We want you eating specific foods for the micronutrient density. We play like, well, that's a big thing that we focus on is making sure that you are, we're tackling all, all deficiencies right off the bat nutritional deficiencies. So, um, we have you eating a specific plan in a specific way. And then once you've been able to stick to that and prove to us that you can handle that, we start to give you more flexibility. So, at that point, we really aren't tracking like we're, we're not doing like macro splits. really, once we kind of give the flexibility back to them and like the responsibility to them, we're really only having tracking two things protein and calories because again, according to the data, it really doesn't matter how many proteins or how how many, how, much, how many carbs or fats you have as long as the overall composition of calories is less than what you're expending. That's really all that matters. So this gives them a lot less stuff to track and it makes it a lot less stressful, which again, at the end of the day is way more easy to stick to it's a lot easier to just say, all right, 200 grams of protein, 3000 calories, go have fun. Um, it's a lot easier for them to stick to that. Yeah, and then they feel like
1: they have they have some freedom and flexibility within it because as long as you're hitting the protein, it's like the other ones eat the ones that that you enjoy eat the ones that you're gonna feel best. You may feel better on 200 grams of potatoes. I may feel better on 200 grams of white rice. You know, and it's kind of this individualized case case scenario there. Awesome, awesome. So we got four of the five here. Last one being training. Proponent of obviously barbell type training. Walk us through that, and then kind of, I guess, you know. Full body, half body split, I know it's going to obviously be dependent upon where people are at are in their training life.
0: So training, uh, the, the, we have to ask, what is the intention of the training in the first place? So with our purposes, we have to ask, what is the most effective style of training? Rather, what is the most important physical attribute that we can improve that will also bleed into the other physical attributes? And from what we've seen it's focusing on strength. Getting you overall stronger strength is the only physical attribute that potentiates your ability to improve all other physical attributes. Okay, so uh, point to CrossFit here. They listed out the ten attributes of physical fitness: cardiovascular, uh, cardiorespiratory, uh, cardiorespiratory fitness, mobility, agility, power, hypertrophy. All of, so all ten of these physical attributes they all improve when I can make you stronger. Now this is a one-way road. It's not a two-way road. So if I do hot yoga for an hour, I can't, that's not going to put 20 pounds on my squat. I can't go do a spinning class for 30 minutes and be able to lift my lawnmower into the back of my truck easier. But if I can get you stronger, your legs are stronger. You'll be able to push on your bike harder, making you a better biker. If I can get you stronger as a 60 year old woman, you no longer need a walker to get off the toilet. Right? So not saying strength is the end-all be-all, but getting overall generally stronger improves our efforts in all other physical attributes. So that's a big, big proponent of how our training is structured. And then we go into using this question of what's the most important, how do we structure our programming? That's a, that's a whole different conversation of how we specifically pick our exercises and how we structure them accordingly. But we like using high-frequency training, high-frequency full-body training. That works brilliantly for people who especially don't have the time or the want to sit in the gym six or seven, uh, five or six days a week. So we have them doing a full body split. We have them squatting, pressing and deadlifting three or four times a day, uh, three or four times a week. And it works really, really well. So we actually give our, we give our training program for free. It's all over my TikTok. It's all over Instagram. It's all over our discord. And it's, we just call it the sticky note plan because it's so simple. It fits on a sticky note. And People ride that. That's, that was the development of over 10 years of doing this with thousands of different individuals face to face. And it works brilliantly for everyone. I think it's a great place for everybody to start. So that's uh, that's kind of how we go about training. Yeah, no, I've seen you talk a lot about the
1: the sticky you note know? and guys, once again, make sure to make sure to give Braden a follow. I mean, he's, he, his, his social is just packed with actionable cues and tips, obviously, like we're, 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 we're given here today. When in your, I mean, opinion then is somebody, is it, is it ready to go from full body to maybe more isolated training? Is that going to be dependent upon obviously goals and intentionality? Like, is there a point within somebody's training career where maybe this full body stuff is going to stop having the benefit and they need to get more isolated in the training?
0: Yeah, absolutely. The, yeah. So we have, we like pyramids here, right? So our hierarchy is kind of an inverse pyramid. Our training is a, is a regular pyramid. We believe that full body training is that foundation and the size of your pyramid is dependent on the size of your foundation. So that base foundation is essentially, again, going back to your strength. A person with a squat of 500 pounds is going to have larger legs than a person who squats 200 pounds. So that's the foundation that we work off of this. We can get you really strong with this full body, high frequency training. When we move into these other forms, hemisphere style training, push, pull legs, even the bro split. When we move through those tiers, they become more effective. Okay? If your bench, if you come into me as a 16 year old kid who watches too much TikTok and your bench press is only 100 pounds, but you're messing around with six or seven chest isolation exercises that aren't very heavy because you're just not generally strong. They will not have the same effect. If I, if I were to get you to 300 pounds on your bench press and then bring in those exercises, those following isolative exercises are now heavier, more mechanical tension. They become more effective at that point. So again, it it all kind of circles back to, and I sound super repetitive when I say it, but like, if I can just get you generally stronger, everything works better. No,
1: it's fantastic. And I think, I think the point needs to be, driven, driven home, because one of the things I wanted to, to kind of get your thoughts on was this, this social media fitness, man. I mean, you know, I, I, how old are you, Braden? I'm 29. 29. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you kind of came up in this, man. I, you know, God, I was training in 2000, I was training in 1998, bro. Like, you know, before <laughs> the damn phone was like a brick, man. Like, so they are like, we weren't on our cell phones. Like I made a joke on, on the critical bench channel. You know, I do a lot of work with those guys over there, that when I first joined the gym, I, I had like the CD Walkman on my hip, man. Like it wasn't even iPod or MP3s. It was like, you know, if you if you jump a little too hard, it's like the music the skips, <laughs> man, skips mid-workout, man. So for me, I feel so blessed that I kind of came up without all of this garbage. And yeah, now I'm 20 years into my training, man. Like I do get more out of a leg extension than a lot of people are gonna get out of a squat because I got 20 years, I've got the 565 squat on the books, right? I don't need to do that anymore. It's gonna get no benefit. But from an intentionality, from the ability to get my mind into the muscle i will make myself puke on a leg extension machine uh i just had the ability to to do that but it's it's been laid a foundation so what are like what are your thoughts obviously you're you're in the space right and i and i love that's why you've really put your voice out there as the voice of strength and reason right or the voice of reason and strength and nutrition what are some of the things that 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 you feel are just misleading the young men out there
0: so big question i know (laughs) i know well there's a lot right so Probably the biggest one is that you don't really need to work hard to build an impressive physique. And there's no one out there that will say that verbatim, but in the content, underdeveloped children will always gravitate more toward, Hey, this person's saying, I don't need to lift heavy weights and don't need to push myself to grow. I'm going to listen to him. When in reality, a lot of these guys, in order to get the viewership, in order to get the people to follow and buy their cheap little programs, they have to reinvent the wheel they have to speak to what the audience wants to hear, not what the audience needs. And that's why our message really isn't very popular. And I'll, I'll say a lot of times when I'm answering questions on TikTok, this is the answer that you're not going to like, but it's the answer that you need to hear. So that's probably like the biggest one is misleading people that this isn't going to require effort, it, but it, it, your body doesn't want to grow. Growing is expensive. It's it, it's bioenergetically, very expensive. It actually goes against everything that we understand of evolution to grow. You're going to have to force yourself to do that, which means you're going to have to push yourself to your limits every single time. That's just a, that's just a biological fact. So, yeah. Yeah, no,
1: God, that's so so needed, man. It's like, scream that again, Brayden. Like you're going to have to fucking train hard. I'm sorry, man. I'm I'm, excuse my language guys. Um, (laughs) but I see it, man. You know, I, uh, I, I recently, uh, about eight eight months ago, moved back up to the suburbs. So I'd been training, you know, I was I was in, you know, the heart of Tampa at a powerhouse, which is just, I mean, just the, the Mecca, right? I mean, it's, they got the powerlifting corner over there. You got strongman athletes, literally midday, just crushing their workouts. You obviously got all the top pro level guys. So I'd spent a good amount of time, the last seven, eight, nine years, training around elite level trainers. Like you walked in there, you don't need caffeine. It's like, you breathe the air. It's like, you breathe the testosterone in the air. It's like, that's all the jolt you needed. But returning back to the suburbs, man, got me in kind of some of these commercial gyms your crunch Fitnesses, none of them are purple but it's just a different or it's a different energy and for me it's like sometimes i feel like i'm kind of like i don't want to say fish out of water but it's like i'm in there busting i mean even to this day like i'm still training hard right and it's like i look over and it's like the little kind of pulling the thing and it's like dude man like you're you're, you're not gonna grow like i just i don't get it man so um, i'm glad yeah, you...
0: it's an unfortunate reality
1: yep yep um talk about the experience on Mind pet, man. I, you know, I know we talked a little bit about that, but, but, but beforehand, you know, those those were guys for me as, as somebody that's been in the podcast now for four years, they really, in my opinion, laid a foundation of how to run a proper show. Um, yeah, just talk about overall, you know, what that experience was like.
0: It was a great experience. Um, they really, as soon as I like walked in, I was kind of nervous again, cause you're talking to like one of the world's biggest fitness podcasters and, just right off the bat, we hit it off. We were like, it was like, I was talking to some old friends I haven't seen in years. We actually sat down and before we even started the podcast, they just started talking to me, just asking questions. They started asking really good questions. And then Doug was like, Hey, wait, hang on. I got to hit record. You're asking good stuff. So it was, it was a great experience. We, you know, we went over time because it was, we just had such a great conversation. And then we went to lunch afterwards and came back. And then I actually, they had me film um, some YouTube videos for them. They posted one on the channel, you know, had me put together like six or seven, youtube videos for them and got to see how they run their production which was really really cool with someone who's trying to get into more like high production stuff for social media It was really cool to see how they run the show um uh, but it was a great experience man it was awesome that's awesome man awesome you mentioned uh kid on kid on the way back
1: back at the beginning man what uh what are you expecting there? What's that going to kind of, I don't want to see what that's going to look like for he's It's going to look like going to be a father. Um, How are you preparing <laughs> for that? And how is that going to change anything? I mean, you know, in this kind of hierarchy, right? You know, like, yeah. have you, have you thought about any of that?
0: He thought about it extensively. I'm a planner, so I, I've, I've tried to plan as much as as possible, but from what everybody says, don't plan too much because the kid has his own plans when, when he comes. So, you know, he'll be due here. I mean, really any day now, but uh, we, we kind of have a good system in place where, We have the nursery. We bought another bed to keep in the nursery so one of us can sleep there with him um, throughout the night. So one of us can get a good night's rest instead of both of us suffering. But we're just kind of learning as we go along. I understand that training, eating, like the the, I'm going to listen to my own hierarchy once again. My training for the past six months has been training six days a week because that's what I need at this point. I get that because of the demand of a child and how uh, how much time is going to need to be working with him that sleep is going to suffer, stress management is going to suffer. So that might look like pulling back on training a little bit and maybe pulling calories back up a little bit. So um it'll be a real th- I'm excited because I will firsthandly experience what clients go through when they have kids along the way. I'll be able to, you know, relate right right there with them of like how 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 here's how we do it. So
1: yeah and it's gonna like you said it's gonna make you a much a much better coach and and you know this from all the experience i mean the body is hyper adaptive and sometimes we we need these kind of scale back pull back push harder do this do that and your body will respond accordingly to that and you know you'll pr- come out on the other side three four five years down the road to be like that time you know those early you know months with the baby actually set me up for what i'm doing here here today you know i truly truly believe that so yeah this has been this has been great man um Tell us where the guys can find you. Obviously, you know, we talked about the, the social media, the TikTok, the Instagram, all these bits. Um, so plug that. Obviously, your coaching is it open enrollment all the time. Is it something they need to get on a waiting list? Kind of walk us through that process there as well. Yeah, we
0: have a cap on coaching at this point in recording. We we keep cap on coaching because we understand coaching quality goes down with too many clients. So spots are closed for now, but we give so much free value. If you guys really want to get take advantage of all the free stuff that we do uh, join our discord. So, uh, we're like at 3000 members. We do, I go live in there once a week. Uh, it's, I, I, I make the joke that my free shit is better than your paid trainer shit. So, um, yeah, hit us on TikTok, Instagram, join the discord, get, get as much knowledge as you can. And then when spots open, you'll, you'll, you'll know about it. So
1: Yeah. Incredible. And we'll get all, we'll get all this stuff plugged down there in the show notes. Last few questions here. Obviously, you know, you mentioned it right there at the end, right? Your free stuff is better than most people's pay thing. I feel like we did a great job here, really unpacking the five, you know, the five pillars literally gave somebody a framework. Like if they wanted to go out there, I mean, they could just walk away with kind of the middle of this podcast and improve their overall health and fitness. But you and I both know most, most men aren't going to do that. Why is that the case? Why is when we give all the free stuff away, it's still, people still do not take action on it.
0: Let me ask you this. So If I gave you a Ferrari for free, or if I gave you a 2003 Ford Focus, which for free, which one is more valuable to you? I mean, the Ferrari, hands down. Oh, they're both free, right? They're both the same value.
1: Well, I guess it's, I mean, that's, you're projecting your sense of value onto me at that point. But I mean, I would tell you that if I had a Ferrari in my possession, whether it was free or I paid top dollar for it it would be something of value to me because I understand the value of a Ferrari. Just like I understand the value of more
0: You'd probably take it more seriously if you had to pay for it yourself. Yeah,
1: probably, but it would still be, but it would still be
0: valuable to me if it was given to me. The things that we talked about is literally the framework that you can have a transformation from. However, because there wasn't a dollar sign attached to it, the perceived value is much less. There, you, can, you can go out there and you can have a successful transformation just from the free stuff online. It's everywhere, but there's no investment. There's no skin in the game. So therefore, there's no perceived value. When I was 16 years old, I bought my first car and I paid 500 bucks for it. Okay? And I treated that thing like a baby. Like I, it was my prized possession. And then I had friends who their parents bought them cars, new cars, and they trashed it. They never took care of it. I think that there's something to be said that when you can invest into your health and invest into someone helping you along the way, you take it more seriously. For that whole reason, it's the whole reason why I still have coaches in my corner. I have a productivity coach. I have a training coach. Back when I was doing bodybuilding, I had a posing coach. So I have as many people in my corner that I invest into as much as I can because that's when I take it more seriously. So that's what I would say to that yeah
1: is there an element of uh of accountability in place there as well or do you think sometimes people put too much weight and value in accountability like so i'm going to do this because so-and-so is going to hold me accountable
0: i think I, i think that plays a huge role so when you keep yourself accountable you break promises to yourself all the time unfortunately you'd think you'd value yourself more and keep promises to yourself more but we just don't do that but um if i have to keep myself accountable externally to someone i'm paying a lot of money for (laughs) <laughs> all of a sudden, I'm a lot more motivated to be honest and also to do the things that they've given me.
1: No, I love that. Love that so much. Uh, guys, we're going to get all Braden's info plugged down in the show notes. We're going to get the link to the mask. We need the link to his Discord as well. Make sure to follow him on TikTok, Instagram, everywhere. Uh, last question here, Braden. Uh, title of the show is obviously called The Superman Life. For me, when I talk about or think about living a superhero life, it's really a belief system. It's how, it's how I try to show up in the world every single day. And it's coming from a place as a man of faith. I do believe that we are put on this earth for a purpose. So there's a calling on each and every one of our lives. You know, yours is probably somewhere in the realm of leading, coaching, inspiring others to live an optimized, healthier, fit life. Uh, but knowing that there's a purpose on our life, for me, I don't think is, is enough. I think too many people stop there. Yeah, there's a purpose on my life. What are you intentionally doing, right, to uh, manifest and bring that purpose to the world in service of other people. So that's how I try kind of define living a superhuman life. But as I end every conversation, I love to get the guest take. So Brayden Barrett, Mr. Look like you lift. How would you define living a superhuman life?
0: Leaving the world better than you found it. However you do that in your, however you find necessary, but leaving this better than what you found it. I think right now we think too much of ourselves and if we look in history any time that a society start thinking about themselves versus thinking about poster- prosperity suffered fall of rome fall of egypt like they all suffered so i think being a superhuman means making other people superhuman and making this world a better place amen love that guys
1: uh guys once again Thank you, Brayden. It's been an absolute honor. Uh, guys, follow Brayden. Check out his stuff. If you got value out of these shows here, once again, we ask you every single week, take a moment, leave us a five-star rating, written review, but more importantly, maybe there's someone in your life that is kind of struggling with getting their health and fitness under the way, and they need to understand this hierarchy of these five pillars that we talked about here today. Do us a favor and do them the blessing by sharing this conversation with them. But Frank Rich here, we love you guys. Brayden Barrett, see you next week.